Hey, what's up? Welcome to another edition of Salvation Solutions. I am Damaris Johnson. I'm Aviance German. And I'm Aramis Fournier. And today we're going to be sharing with you what our salvation means when it comes to society, how powerful it is, how important it is, how God has left us here to be able to impact and have a influence on what takes place in our society from the injustice to the evil, to the wickedness, to the violence, to how to, how to minister to the poor, the needy, um, the, the marginalized. I mean, God has left uh, the church with a mandate. And so we're going to get into those things today. Also, we're going to talk about a brand new book that's coming out uh, that myself, uh, that I've, I've worked on, that God has given me to, to really be a solution to um, today's uh, issues that we're facing. So uh, that's what we're going to cover in today's show. Other than that, how's everybody doing? <laughs> you good, sis? <laughs> <laughs> that is good to hear. In the midst of all of the, in the midst uh, of it all. crisis, to hear someone say they good, yeah, like mm-hmm. it's important. Yeah, yeah, it's so interesting because a lot of people say, you know, whenever it's dark, it could be God's wings, right? And um, you know, even though it was a dark situation, I just feel like God spoke the loudest. Amen. So, great. Yeah. No, that's great to hear. How you doing, son? Great. That's great. Good. COVID has been great to me. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what everybody. Oh, yeah, because we're such introverts anyway. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> it's been great for business. It's been great for everything. How's the music a music producing coming? Oh, man, it's been great. It's been great. It's, yeah. it's increased twice over right. since COVID started. I right. mean, for, people have more time to dedicate to their craft and their passion, yeah. you know. So, you know, whatever the situation came about, you know, this was a huge benefit. Um, you know, it, it's it's. It's given, you know, Caitlin and I an opportunity to, you know, to begin a lot of things in our in our parent life, you know, um, with, with our children. We've gotten into homeschooling since, and, right. and that's been great as well. So, yeah. No, that's great. That's great. That's great to hear. I mean, it, you know, it, COVID has come with its challenges, but, you know, as believers, we just believe we're overcomers. And we're going to overcome whatever comes our way, we're going to overcome. Because salvation is our solution. And, and we've been saying that, we've been declaring that, we've actually started this podcast to reveal that, that salvation is the solution. It is, it is God's mechanism to help us overcome uh, life uh, in earth and the perils of life from poverty, which, which we declare to be the, the, the greatest evil to, you know, domestically to socially to, you know, economically, you know, we, we really believe that salvation has five dimensions to it. It has the economic empowerment, it has health maintenance. Um, it has the, the uh, deliverance component it has the protection component and it brings us into a place of wholeness. That's what salvation is all about. And salvation is designed to affect and function within the confines of a society. And today, one of the things we want to really uh, just get into is I want to, I want to promote announce and make an announcement regarding, you know, what we believe is, is the will of God in this hour. And what I, what I can tell you over the last Three months, God has really been speaking to my heart and sharing with me what his will is. And and God is is at his tipping point. God is at his tipping point when it comes to um, the injustice that black America has faced over the last several years. God is at his tipping point. And we have to get to the place to where we, we realize that that God is at his tipping point. And, and this book brings that out. And so it's important. It's important for us to understand that we have our... Um, God's will, black America, and reparations. God's will, black America, and reparations. That is the subject matter. The subtopic will be God's will is that black America receive reparations now. And I go into that book and I really discuss 
you know, what the will of God is from Genesis to Revelation, what the will of God is. And I'm looking forward to its release. That is the final edit that you're holding. I'm about to send that feels to good. my, to my, yeah, yeah. It feels <laughs> good to get it done. I'm about to send that to my editor. And from there, he's going to do his final proofing and we're going to print. Uh, I'm, I want to have it. I want to have it in stores into the hands of what we call our, um, our first uh, readers and, and get that out to them uh, by within the next two weeks. You know, I really wanted to have it out before the election so that black America can, can, can see what we need to be holding our, the standard we need to be holding our, our government officials to, uh, the candidates to, because I go into, one of the things I go into, Avi, is that Jesus is the model for our government officials and how to govern. The problem is we don't see Jesus as a government official. We see him as a religious figure when he really was a king. And until we see him as a king, then we won't see ourselves as a, as a governmental agency that he's called us to be to bind and to loose those things that we need to bind here on earth and loose those things we need to loose into our society. And so we get into all those things about the book, but I'm just glad it's done, and I look forward to talking about it more. I know you guys got some thoughts and questions that you want to want to run by me. Well, first I want to say congratulations because <laughs> I know not only your hand, but I'm sure the Mrs. hand oh, was in goodness. that as oh, well to get oh, it oh, done. Oh, yeah, so <laughs> congratulations, Leslie, yeah. as well. <laughs> Sister Ivy, listen, couldn't have got done without Sister Leslie. <laughs> listen, because I just write. I, I just write. I just think, oh, I just write what comes to my this? mind. Yeah. She do all of the, the editing, she all the proofreading, yeah. she put yep. all the sentence structure and all. She, I just write whatever comes to my mind. Yeah, congratulations on your book, Leslie. Yeah, that's good. No, that was real good. <laughs> that was real good, sis. No, you're right on. Because without Sister Leslie, listen, when I sent it to the editor, he's like, Demir, she did a great job this time. I said, thanks. thanks. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was Leslie. <laughs> sister Leslie made that thing work. No, it's, it's good, though. But no, no, you're right. You're right, Sister Ivy. Without Sister Leslie, man, you know, that, 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 that'll be, that'll be, that project took me, I got done with that in probably about, about uh, six weeks. Without Sister Leslie, I'm talking eight, eight, six, six months, <laughs> easy. Look at that. Won't he do it? Yeah, he did it. He okay. did it. No, he did it. No, that's okay. that's that's the difference. It's yeah. been uh, it's been a pleasure though. Right now, I've, I've, the Lord's revealed so many things to me, um, in, in regards to where we should be as a church, and and eventually we'll get to that subject matter. But but today, you know, I want to focus on letting the world know that this 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 work, this material is going to be revolutionary, uh, to say the least. So the main question that, I, that I've seen here that I really love and that I, I, I would love to get into first overall, uh -huh. why is now the time for <laughs> reparations? Well, We've had years and decades right, right, and right. eras <laughs> upon eras of people fighting and yeah. screaming and, and, and protesting and rioting and everything and, and asking for something to this effect, to, mm -hmm. to, for us to be made whole again. Right. And... You know, I just I'm curious to know why is now that time? Well, uh, one of the chapters is dedicated to to this idea. So God, God, you understand? God does everything in 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 accordance to seasons and timetables. Uh, we have the we have the feasts of the Lord, the three major feasts. Uh, but then within those feasts, uh, along with those feasts, you have other other festivals and other celebrations that God instituted in the Word of God. The three major feasts is Passover. Pentecost and Tabernacles, which we just we just recently got through the Tabernacles. I think last week, uh, this last week was 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 on the last day, maybe Thursday, Friday. But God does everything according to patterns and I mean, to seasons and times, right? To everything, there's a time. To everything, there's a season. Well, when you study the Word of God, there's a there's a pattern when it comes to 
time frames when God would suffer with individuals, time frames God would suffer people to be perfected. There were certain time frames. So I go into the different time frames from, from 40 days to 40 years um, to 400 years to 70 years. God does things according to, to patterns. And so one of the patterns that we brought out was the pattern of 400 years, right? And when you look at the pattern of 400 years, what, what was the one thing that happened uh, after 400 years when it came to, two things actually happened, when it came to, uh, when, it, when you see something in the Word of God. The first thing was the nation of Israel's deliverance from Egypt was set on a 400-year timetable. And the other thing was the 400 years of silence that took place between Malachi and Matthew when, before Jesus came along. And the, and, the, and the light and the change and the revolution that God wanted for man happened. So, but I used the parallel, the pattern of 400 years because after 400 years, God promised that Israel would come out of their bondage. And when they came out, they would come out with great substance. In other words, God was going to reparate them for all of the maltreatment, the slavery, the evil, the violence, the cruelty that they would suffer under their Egyptian ruler. And when God showed me this, the first slave ships touched ground here in America in 1619. 1919, I mean, uh, uh, um, two, 20, 2019 would be 400, 400 years, years, right? So when you look at the, how God will suffer with a nation and how God will, um, I love this part about it because, because I get into this part. I love this statement. The scripture says his mercy endures forever. Mm -hmm. And what people read into that is God will, God, they can get away with whatever they want to get, get away with forever because God's mercy endures forever. Well, this thought came to me. God is long suffering, but he's not forever suffering. Mm -hmm. And because he's not forever suffering, he does things according to times and seasons and patterns. And so 400 years was a time that God suffered. He suffered through Several aspects, several things took place within that 400 years from, from the nation of Israel maturing and growing and multiplying both in quantity and quality. And for the iniquity of another nation to either run full, his hopes is that they will repent. But if they don't, that 400-year time frame has been set. The Bible says the, the iniquity of the Amorites have run full over in uh, Genesis, the 15th chapter, when God was talking to Abraham. And... At the end of 400 years, he said, he said, your people will be in bondage, but they will come out. Israel will come out and they will come out with great substance. So that 400 year time frame lines up perfectly with God's pattern and how he brings deliverance to a nation. And when I realized that it's been 400 years, 2019 was 400 years that black America has been under the economic, oppressive, wicked supremacist construct that America's put in place. I saw something that really, that really, it, I, I hate to say this, but it frightened me at first because you think about the magnitude of God being at the place where he's ready. Listen, you either get this right yeah. or I got to deal with it. Mm -hmm. And that's basically what happened to Egypt. You either let my people go. Okay. You don't want to let them go. Okay. Mm -hmm. They, they, they about to be delivered one way or the other. <laughs> right. right. You know, so now is the time is behind that is it's that 400-year time frame that God has reached his tipping point. And he's, and he's shown, this, this shown this or gave us an example specifically to when it comes to slavery um, with the nation of Israel. And so 
I really believe now is the time. God is at the point. That's why you have the unrest you have. That's why you have the social um, revolution that's taking place. Now, I personally believe the church should be out in front of it mm-hmm. instead of bringing up the rear. You know, we should be out in front of it. We should be the ones on television. We should be the ones that's peacefully protesting. We should be the ones that's speaking on the different shows, saying what should be done for black America. But that's not happening. But it's, it's slowly changing. But um, now is the time. God has reached his tipping point. God has reached his point to where it's been 400 years. The iniquity of the white supremacist mentality, the iniquity of the um, um, oppressive, economic oppressive nature of our, con- of our culture, the marginalization of black America, uh, everything from slavery, which lasted for like 260 years, to, to, the, to the Jim Crow laws, to the um, black codes that was instituted, to the, to the, the, the wicked, deceptive, um, shysterist uh, sharecropping laws they put in place, right on down to the economic, systemic um, structures that they have to prevent a black America from thriving as a nation. I'm not talking about individuals. I'm talking about as a nation. Mm-hmm. We should be so further along, but because we never have been granted the proper reparation or repair for the injuries of slavery, then then we haven't been able to, to get to where we wanted to go as a nation now. You know, you, you got, you know, pockets of people who experience prosperity. You know, you know, you got black billionaires now. But the point is, as a nation, as a people group, you know, um, we should be we should be a lot further along, right? So now is the time. Now is the time that that, that takes place. And so, you know, that, that was the mind or the thought behind, you know, now is the time because that 400-year time period has reached this point and the iniquity of America has, has run full before God. So now is the time. So you said something that I think was key, you know, when you talked about um, the amount of black billionaires that, that exist now. Yeah. Um, you know, when, when you exercise wealth, usually you are wielding power with that wealth. Right. And that speaks to the ability to gain power that we now have Mm -hmm. as a community. Mm -hmm. Right. And with, I guess where I'm going with this is I'm, I'm kind of, I'm leaning towards asking the question of, you know, what is, what is the first step for the church and the black community to seeking reparations? I think the first step would, would be to vocalize. See, the church has been in some ways complicit when it comes to the systemic racial structures because we haven't spoken out against them. The church has, I, I don't even know if I can say lost their voice, but right now we, we don't have a voice. You know, we haven't had a voice. And one of the most saddening things when it comes to that is we should be the leading voice. God has left us here and given us dominion and given us authority and given us power, first and foremost, with our words, with our voice. So the first thing I believe, and I go go into this in the book, as I talk about the responsibilities of the black church, I talk about the responsibilities of the white church, I talk about the responsibility of white America and the responsibilities of black America. Mm -hmm. We all have a role to play in this. Well, the church's role is first to be a voice. We should be the leading voice when it comes to defending the poor and needy, a leading voice when it comes to uh, caring for the widows and the orphans. What community better fits them, that those characteristics than the, than the black American communities? For whatever reason, a lot of it is it's, it's, it's connected to the, the, the system or the structure that we have in place. But the church should be fighting more for the poor and the needy than anybody else. We fight harder for the unborn than we do for the born. Mm-hmm. 
we fight more. We put more resources, energy, and effort, and we use our voice for the unborn, which is which is fine, which is okay if that's what you do. But you can't you can't tell me you love me when you're fighting harder for the unborn than you are fighting for those who are suffering, who are alive, who made it who made it past, who made it past the doors of life and entered and, and have coming to a place to where they're now trying to be who it is God is calling to be, and you fight more and you speak out more for that, you know, that's been the problem with, and I'll say it like this, the white, quote-unquote, white church as it, as it, as it, from the perspective of the black, black church. Listen, you fight harder for the unborn than you do fight for my community, and that, that has to change. The first thing we need to do as a church is unify on that. Listen, we're going to fight for black America. We're going to do everything we can convince. They're, they've been the people that's been, that's been viciously abused more than any. There's a documentary by, oh, what's his name? It's called the, um, I can't think of it. We'll, I'll, I'll, we'll, I'll edit it and I'll put it in here. But it's, uh, it's, a, it's a documentary that brings out the complicitness of the church when it comes to racism. Um, and it's important, it's important, uh, I mentioned it in the book, it's important to, to understand that, that we must repent as a church. Um, and it, repent means to, to, and this book will help you to repent, because the, the word repent means to return to the original way of thinking. Mm-hmm. Not to return to, you know, to think differently, but it means return, literally returns to the original way God intended for us to think, which was like him. Mm-hmm. That's why he's given us the mind of Christ. So, yeah, um, that's what we have to do. First thing we have, we have, we have to we have to get we have to use our voice. Once we begin to use our voice, then we then our actions will follow. Go so ahead. I have a question. Yeah. So when you were first speaking and you said that kind of the the church is the last mm-hmm. to actually come in front, you know, mm-hmm. like we we should be in front, but we're actually last. Right. So with that, my question is: Do you feel as if the church feels mighty enough to do that? That we feel strong enough to do that? And then my second question is: um, How do you think? How, how how do God feel about all of this oh, yeah. justice? That's, that's so let's go into that too. So the twofold question. So the first question is: I, I, You know, I don't know if it's a matter of power. I think it's more of a matter of focus because we have the power. When I when I think power, I'm thinking I'm thinking revelation knowledge. I'm thinking wisdom. I'm thinking money, resources. I'm thinking um, uh, 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 ability to, you know, stay. We got we got national television networks that we own. Like we have the resources, and we have the resources that represent the power, but we haven't been focused on it. Our focus has been, as we said, on abortion, you know, uh, gay rights, or not, or not, not, you know, being against gay rights when when it should be more, um, or just as much of being focused on dealing with the poor of of America. Which, which we can say by all this, you know, leading by all the statistics that Black America is leading in all those, uh, you know, statistics. So um, I don't know if it's a matter of us not believing in our power because when we want to do something, when we believe we want, we want to get something done. You know, we find ways to get it done. I believe it's more a matter of what we want, what we think we should be focusing on. See, we have this this idea that we should be focused on things that are that are less weighty than what they what we should really be focusing on. Um, so I think that's the issue with the church. I don't think that I think the leadership, um, the con- the construct or the the way leadership is is comprised, you know, is is actually oppressive in a way in the church. I mean, like there is racism in the church, mm-hmm. whether folks want to believe that or not. There is discrimination in the church. There's racism in the church. There's systemic discrimination in church. You know, so I mean, one of the one of the one of the things you hear a lot of times you you hear folks talking about they want a multicultural church, but they don't want no black leadership. What is that? 
Why don't you want black leadership? Mm-hmm. I mean, that, that's just the reality of it. But we want our church to be multicultural. We'll put some black folks in leadership, yeah. you know, so people can identify with their leaders. Well, I don't know if we want that. Well, <laughs> why don't you want that? I mean, that's just, that's just, that's just what it is, mm-hmm. right? So um, that's that issue. You know, I think, I think, you know, when you talk about how God feels about it, I mean, I mean, since I've, it, it can get scary, you know, it can get scary because I go into several scriptures that deal with how God will deal with the oppressor and relieving the oppressed. If, if you don't adhere, James talks about it, you know, the Lord's support. God talks about the Lord's support and the Lord's support is the, is, is the, the Lord of war, right? It speaks of the, the warrior aspect of who God is, who willing to go to war on behalf of those who are oppressed economically. And so God has very strong feelings about it. I mean, he, he, he hates it. He hates iniquity. He talks about, he, he hates iniquity. We were talking earlier about the word iniquity is only used one time in the Bible, but the Hebrew word is used from Genesis, from the very beginning of Genesis. A lot of folks won't, won't realize this, but God has a, such a hatred for iniquity that he destroyed the earth. The flood was, was behind or was the reason behind uh, uh, the, the iniquity. He said, he said, violence has, has, has covered the earth. That word violence there is the same word for, iniqu- I mean, uh, for injustice. Injustice has covered the earth. Like unjust gain has covered the earth. Oppression has covered the earth. Evil wickedness has covered the earth. And so God has a, has a uh, hatred, I don't know how to say it, that he has for um, racism, that he has for unjust gain that he has for the oppressor that abuse the poor while they're in their poverty. You know, uh, God is at his tipping point. That's what I go into in the book. He's at a place to where enough is enough. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, with what's taking place recently, everything from, you know, the uh, Breonna Taylor murder to the George Floyd murder to all of the black, black men and, and women that are suffering uh, you know, through the police, police brutality, all that stuff got to come to an end. It's, it's time out. It's over with. And the church needs to be the leading voice that's saying, this, we're not standing for this. I, I just did a, a post that talks about the church allowing this to happen on our watch. Dude, this, this is our watch. This is our watch. Mm-hmm. And that's how we got to see it as a church. This is our watch. Like, God left us here to govern what's happening in society. This is happening on our watch. Right. And, I, and, and, and I'm, I, I can no longer stand back and say, okay, <laughs> Lord, well, if it be your will, no, that ain't my will. Right. Whatsoever you shall bind on earth mm-hmm. shall be bound mm-hmm. in heaven. And whatsoever you shall loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. That is a governmental scripture. Mm-hmm. But we don't see ourselves as a governmental agency. Ecclesia is a governmental term, not a religious term. Not a religious term. Uh, in, in Acts, the, I think it's Acts 19, uh, the, the Roman uh, leader of Rome, he actually used that term as far as dispersing the assembly. He, he, but he used the phrase assembly. That is, that's the word ecclesia. That was a governmental meeting where you would call people out of the community to discuss political issues and governmental matters. We are the leading governmental agency that God has left in the earth that should be influencing what laws and what governing practices and principles take place in the earth. That's the church. But we don't see us. We see ourselves as a religious organization that has nothing to do with the affairs of the heathens. When God told us to occupy seven mountains, faith mountain, education mountain, economic mountain, governmental mountain, arts and entertainment mountain. I can't think of the other two right now. There's seven mountains we're supposed to occupy. These mountains make up our societal construct. If the church is in control of those mountains, then life is beautiful. When the, when the righteous are when the right the Bible says when the righteous are in authority, the city rejoices. Mm-hmm. But when we lead those mountains to the to the unsaved, mm-hmm. 
we have what we have today. Mm -hmm. You know, so, you know, God feels a, a, a certain way about it. He, he got an attitude. Y'all got an attitude right now. <laughs> I, I think one of the things that, um, one of the things that you run into uh, conversationally when you try to have this conversation with someone who's not a minority, mm -hmm. um, you know, I've heard people say, oh my well, God, bro, you hit the nail, man. You know, I've been in some fights. That's that may be, <laughs> I've been in some fights. <laughs> that may be my ancestors, but that's not me. And I liken it to the conversation about, you know, the, the good cop or the bad cop. You know, if you have a bad cop who's doing bad things and you have a good cop who doesn't report that, that good cop is complicit to what that bad cop is doing. Mm -hmm. You're there. You've seen it. Right. And you are legally bound to report that. Right. Somehow it doesn't make it into the report. Right. So from from that aspect, what, what would you say to those people who say, you know, well, I, I may not go riot, but I don't agree with the racism either. Well, um, because you're saying, so your question is the folks who say, well, that wasn't me. But they're not necessarily doing anything, you know, to, to, to help us either. Right. They're just kind of trying to stay out of it, I guess. is. So there's a scripture, I'm trying to find it, because um, I go into it in the book, that, that talks about, that speaks of how God visits the iniquities of the forefathers to the third and fourth generation. That word visit there means holds responsible. God, I go into that. God, God holds the, the great, great, great grandchildren responsible for the continuation of the iniquity that therefore that great, great, great grandfathers established, mm -hmm. which we have in America. That wow. we have, wow. we have in the, we have in America. Mm -hmm. They haven't done anything. Even though you, I didn't own no slave. Well, what have you done to change the construct of slavery? Slavery right. just changed its face. That's all. It, it, you know, it went from overt to covert, right? You know, Jim Crow laws, right on up to today's systemic racial structures. It's just changed its face. Mm -hmm. It's the spirit of it is still the same. So God said, he, "I'll visit, I'll visit the iniquity of the forefathers down to the third and fourth generation." What we got to understand is a generation in God's mind is a hundred years mm. is a hundred years. That's why he told in the fourth generation, I'm going to bring him out. Well, how long he told Abraham in the fourth generation, I'm going to bring out, I'm going to bring bring Israel out. Well, four generations, it was 400 years. So each generation represented a hundred years. We are right at 400 years. Right. We're in the fourth generation. So again, I know you didn't, you didn't, you ain't, you ain't on the slave and you, and you like black people. I give you that. Much. <laughs> but, but that ain't enough. Right. <laughs> That's not enough. Right. Like, like you, you, you might genuinely like black folk. You might have a, a few black friends. <laughs> but, but that ain't enough. Might have married one. Yeah, you might have married one. Hey, you might have married a black man. But that ain't enough, old black man. That ain't enough. You had to be. We have to become more vocal as a church. Black, white. You got to become more vocal in standing up for Black America. I, I mean, we have to do it. We have to do it. And I love the, the, the centrality that, that God has given me to focus on the poor. It, it just so happened, right? It just so happened that it's black America and I'm, black, I'm a black man. But, but they're poor. We're the poor of the society right now. We're the marginalized of the society right now. And when I'm speaking generally, now everybody ain't poor. Like, like we ain't poor in the sense of poverty, what poverty can really be like, right? But at the same time, we're not where we're supposed to be. And, and I've had the toughest time in, you know, I've had, no, I've had both. I've had it both ways. I've had white folks come to me and say, what can I do to help? One of them said, I feel like I owe you something. I said, you know what you do? 
And I explained to him why. <laughs> right. Because he's a very successful businessman who profited off of the white privilege mm. that this society enables him. Yeah. Yeah. Not wrong on his part. Do your thing. Right. But 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 bring me up with you. Do your thing. Do your, <laughs> thing, do your thing in this sense too. He came to me. He said, "I feel like I feel like I owe you something." I said, "Here's why." He says, "Wow, I never thought of it like that. I know, mm-hmm. I know. A lot of y'all ain't thought of it like that." Yeah, yeah. But I've had some who says, "Well, well, well, what what about my situation? You know, what what am I supposed to do about that?" Well, I I didn't do anything. Well, I'm I'm struggling too. The difference is, you haven't taken advantage of of your white privilege to the degree he has. So now you want you want help too. Listen, I get that. <laughs> I understand that. But what you done been through ain't nothing like what my black sisters done went through. Right. Ain't nothing like what the brothers go through. It's a little different. And I get it. Somebody else got to raise up the fight for your cause. Right now, this is on God's heart. Yeah. It's black America. And how black America needs to be repaired via reparation. It starts with reparation. Like, like you ain't serious. You ain't even serious about helping black America until you talk about reparation. 